Today I have the honor of reading the most shocking announcement in human history. The shocking announcement of the greatest victory won in human history. The shocking announcement that came on the heels of what appeared to be the greatest and most tragic defeat in human history. It's found in Mark, the 16th chapter, verses 6 and 7. The announcement was made by an angel who is unnamed. And given what he was tasked with announcing, I've got a hunch he was very happy to be anonymous because the spotlight in that moment belonged on one person and one person only. And the angel said to the women, do not be amazed. You're looking for Jesus the Nazarene who has been crucified. He has risen. He is not here. Behold, here is the place where they laid him. But go, tell his disciples and Peter, he is going ahead of you to Galilee. There you will see him just as he told you. Today I want to speak to you on the topic of surviving Saturdays. Contrary to what the title might infer, this is not about moms of school-aged children somehow getting through the weekend. That, that's a different surviving Saturday teaching, all right? Let's look to the Lord together in prayer. Gracious Heavenly Father, in these coming moments, I pray that your Holy Spirit would empower me so that I might faithfully represent your heart and accurately communicate your truth. Father, I pray that your Holy Spirit would enable every one of us to hear what you're saying, to understand it, and to apply it. I pray these things so that Jesus might be honored in our midst, so that his people might be healthy and growing in grace, and so that we might be faithful to the mission that you've given us in this world. And I pray it so that those who have joined us today who don't yet know you might come into a life-changing relationship with you. And I pray these things in Jesus' name. Amen and amen. And as we listen for God's voice together today, may the Lord be with you. And before we begin, I want to give a shout-out to my homies down in Simpson Hall. Thank you for taking seats there so that we have more seats for our visitors here in the sanctuary. I have it on good authority. You're getting extra points in heaven today. <laughs> Two days ago, we joined many of Jesus' followers around the world in observing Good Friday. And today, we're going to join with many, many more of Jesus' followers celebrating Resurrection Sunday. But our celebration will be lacking. It will be incomplete if we overlook the day between Friday and Sunday. Because Resurrection Sunday not only assures us that we can experience God's grace, that we can be forgiven of our sin, that we can know God intimately, that we can live meaningfully inside of his love, and that we can survive the grave, although that's quite a list in and of itself. 
Resurrection Sunday also assures us we can survive the Saturdays of our lives. And that's important because much of our life is spent in Saturdays. Now, I know that sounds rather odd, so allow me to explain. And I'm going to begin by looking back, where it's obvious from the biblical record that for Jesus' followers, the Sunday, or the Saturday, excuse me, before his resurrection was a very hard day, a day filled with anxiety and uncertainty. It was harder for them than you and I could ever begin to imagine because we've read this story. We know it has a happy ending. We know Saturday gave way to Sunday, but they didn't know that on Saturday. Jesus' sudden, violent death had knocked the wind out of them. It left their hopes gasping for air. They had hoped that Jesus would usher in a new day, but Friday made it appear that they had hoped in vain. They felt trapped in a nightmare that appeared to have no end. Unanswered questions took turns tormenting them. So when I refer to Saturdays, here's what I'm suggesting. Our Saturdays are the hard days sandwiched in between unexpected loss and God's promised restoration, between the death of our hopes and the resurrection of our hopes. And I think you would agree with me that we frequently find ourselves living in that interval. That's why I said we spend much of our lives in Saturdays. We know that the disciples' hard Saturday was birthed by Jesus' crucifixion on Friday. We don't know what will birth our Saturdays. And we don't know when they're going to arrive, and it's probably a good thing that we don't know that. They often arrive suddenly, announced by words we didn't expect to hear. Words like, the tests have come back, you have cancer. Words like, I've decided to see someone else. Words like, I want a divorce. Words like, sorry, we're moving in a different direction and we've eliminated your position. Words like, Dad, Mom, I love you, respect you, but I won't be sharing your faith. And just like that, we find ourselves in a Saturday. We know we're hurting, but we don't know how long we're going to hurt, and we don't know what the future will bring. We don't know if the cancer will be cured if our heart will heal, if we'll ever share love again, if we'll find a new position, if our prodigal will return. When we're in a Saturday, our minds naturally entertain hopeful possibilities, but we can't keep them from also entertaining nagging <coughs> doubts. So we pray, and we pray some more. And we ask others to pray with us. We seek treatment. We talk to friends. We talk to a counselor. We submit our resume. We hope for the best, but we recognize the jury's still out. 
Like Jesus' friends on the Saturday before his resurrection, we become accustomed to living with uncomfortable questions and nagging uncertainty. We know that Jesus promised a good outcome, but on Saturday, that good outcome is nowhere to be found. So it feels like our hopes have been entombed behind a large stone. Now, the words I read to open were spoken to the women who arrived at Jesus' tomb. They arrived on Sunday, but make no mistake, their hearts were still stuck in Saturday because they came to anoint Jesus' remains. They did not come to hear an announcement of his resurrection. And it reminds us that on Saturdays, even people who are devoted to Jesus, like those women, can doubt his words. But everything changed when the angel said, Jesus isn't here. He's risen, he's gone ahead of you to Galilee, and he's waiting for you there. So you tell the disciples, go there, and he'll meet you. Now notice, not anywhere, a specific place, there, Galilee. Galilee was a 120-mile walk from where they were. A 120-mile walk in desert heat at a time when travel was dangerous and not comfortable and not convenient. There was no Holiday Inn Express. There wasn't even a Motel 6 back there. <laughs> but the angel said, that's the place you'll find him. And that pointed instruction tells us that to survive Saturday, we must meet Jesus at the place he designates. I mean, we have to follow the lead of his Holy Spirit as the Spirit points us to things we need to believe, things we need to incorporate into our life, things we need to take to the curb and get out of our life, the actions we need to take if we're going to step out of Saturday and step into Sunday. Now, thankfully, the shocked women followed the instructions, and they soon learned that while Jesus' directions often sound strange at first, if we follow them, we won't be disappointed. And they weren't. Now notice, the angel said, tell his disciples and Peter. Peter was the only disciple named because Peter was the only disciple that needed to be named. Because Peter was the disciple, you'll recall, who had denied Jesus three times. I don't know the dude. Never hung with him. Don't know who you're talking about. Not a part of his posse. And given his failure, you would assume that a generic call, disciples are supposed to meet him there, in Peter's mind, would not include him. So Jesus made it clear through the angel that Peter was included. And it was God's way of making something clear to you and to me. Jesus can get anyone out of Saturday no matter how they have failed. Speaking of failure, whenever we find ourselves in a Saturday, have you noticed we're 
quick to assume we're in Saturday because we messed up. And we have a lot of help in that regard. There is a very good reason why Scripture refers to Satan as the accuser of God's people and why it notes that he accuses God's people day and night and night and day. Satan knows that if we assume our Saturday is entirely our doing, we'll struggle to expect God's intervention, we'll struggle to accept God's intervention, and we'll struggle to step into Sunday. So let me remind you of something. Saturdays aren't always the result of our failures. Jesus' friends and his disciples found themselves in Saturday because they had done everything right. They had left everything to follow Jesus. They had set apart their vocation, in some cases even family life, to follow Jesus. So the truth is that faithfulness to God will often put us in Saturdays. And for three reasons. First of all, Jesus' followers live at the intersection of life in a fallen creation and life in Jesus. And the intersection of life in a fallen creation and life in Jesus is a very, very dangerous intersection. More dangerous than anything the Fort Pitt Bridge has to offer. <laughs> Accidents happen at that intersection all the time. The evil of the world demands the right of way, and when it doesn't get the right of way, it flies into road rage. That's what happened on Good Friday. That was the evil of the world in road rage. Secondly, our Saturdays are a necessary fulfillment of Jesus' promise to us. Long before his crucifixion, Jesus prophesied, Jesus promised, they're going to kill me, but in three days I'll rise from the grave. Not one day, not two days, three days. Three days made Saturday necessary. Now, in similar fashion, Jesus promises that once we invite him into our lives, he'll renew our minds. He'll transform our life experience. He'll replace our emptiness with his abundance. And that kind of transformation doesn't happen if every day is Sunday. Now, why do I say that? I say that because, let's be honest, we don't recognize the junk in our trunk. We don't recognize our old fears, our surviving pride, our idols, our self-defeating habits, let alone exchange them for something better, until they fail us. Until they fail us and disappoint us on some Friday and land us in some Saturday. Saturday is when God shows us what's wrong and what needs to be addressed. And we wouldn't pay attention to that message on a Sunday. There's a third reason that Saturday was necessary. Jesus had stuff he had to do. Jesus wasn't just waiting, watching the clock. 
Scripture tells us while his body was in the grave, in his spirit, he descended into Hades, the place of death and the dead. And there he embarrassed his opposition because there he seized the power of death and the power of hell. He seized them from heaven and he let out of that place all the saints from Genesis forward who had been waiting for Jesus' necessary resurrection so that they could be liberated. And I know this is a dated reference, but I always like to picture in that moment Satan confronting Jesus as Jesus is leading out all of his people. And I like to, I like to picture Satan saying, I'm going to stop you. And I like to picture Jesus, Dirty Harry style, saying, <laughs> go ahead, make my day. That's just my sick mind at work. <laughs> now, when Jesus led his people out, he wasn't just showboating. When he took the keys of death and hell, he wasn't just showing off. His resurrection couldn't occur until he did that. And until his resurrection occurred, we were without hope. Our spiritual freedom, our future resurrection would have been impossible. So Jesus was doing stuff that needed to be done on Saturday. And I say all of that to remind you, when you find yourself in a Saturday, remember this. Jesus doesn't take Saturdays off. Saturdays are when he does the things that are necessary to our Sundays, when he sets the groundwork for our freedom. On Saturdays, he descends into the hells of our life. He breaks the bonds of the things that hold us. He opens the gates. He sets us free. He leads us to a greater liberty. But I want to remind you, as was the case with the disciples, much of what Jesus was doing then was done out of sight. It was invisible to them. And much of what Jesus is doing for you on your Saturdays will be out of sight. You won't see it. You won't know it. You just have to trust him for it. That's why we walk by faith. The disciples learned that following Jesus involves learning to trust God in the Saturdays of life. In the interim between our heartache, our disappointment, our loss, and our challenge, and God's provision and resurrection power. That was a lesson they were going to have to learn more than once. All of us have to learn that lesson more than once. But the learning doesn't begin until we sign up for the course. So I'm going to come back in a few moments after we worship through giving and song and tell you how you can sign up for the course. <laughs> Today I addressed Saturday from the perspective of those who are following Jesus. I think that was clear. But scripture's clear that none of us starts life following Jesus. We all begin life, if you will, stuck in Saturday. God's word informs us that he created us in his genius and his love. 
He created us with the intent that we would find our identity, our security, our meaning, our hope, our joy, our dignity, our significance, and our peace in Him, in knowing Him, in loving Him, and in obeying Him. Because we're never more ourselves than we are in those moments when we are obeying God. So that was God's intent. But God's Word informs us that because of what we know as the fall, we start life with a different conviction. We start life with the conviction that doing our own thing is the path to fulfillment and freedom. And there are a lot of counter-narratives that help us believe that. You're familiar with them. And as we listen to those narratives and our own fallen hearts, we assume that obeying God would disappoint us that it would imprison us. I know that because that was my concept of following God. I, I, I pictured following God as the ultimate buzzkill. And because of that, we rebel against God's love. Now, our rebellions vary in their motivation, in their intensity, in their particulars. Some rebellions are aggressive and loud. Some are soft and subtle, but we all rebel. There are a hundred different ways to say no to God, but the bottom line is the same. But eventually, the things that we've substituted for God disappoint us. They fail to deliver on their promises. As a boomer, I lived through the 60s. In the 60s, a lot of people put their faith in the false promises of free sexuality, only to later discover that it wasn't sexual freedom they were looking for, it was intimacy. And rather than finding it in that supposed freedom, they forfeited it. Whatever we plug in as a substitute for God has an expiration date on it. The clock starts ticking from the day we plug it in. It is destined to disappoint us. And then we find ourselves trapped in a Saturday. The Saturday of nagging emptiness. There has to be more to life than working hard, retiring, dying, and then the kids spending everything we saved in two months. <laughs> if that's all there is to life, then life is a bad joke and death is the punchline. The Saturday of nagging emptiness. I spent approximately 20 years there. Most of you know at 19 I boasted I'd never darken a church door the rest of my life. Why? because I thought obeying God meant I'd lose everything. If you're in that Saturday today, the one we all start life in, there's something God wants you to know. Jesus' resurrection is God's invitation to you to survive Saturday. 
It's God's way of saying there is a Sunday with your name on it waiting for you. What Jesus did once in a graveyard many, many centuries ago, he wants to do again today in you. But to meet him, like the women, you have to follow his instructions. You have to go to that there where you meet him. And he's made it clear where there is. It's a place of confessing your need and then confessing your belief in him and confessing your belief in his resurrection. And scripture says if we confess with our mouth Jesus as Lord, believe in our heart that he was raised from the dead, we will be saved. We'll move out of Saturday into Sunday. Receive the gift of abundant life here and eternal life. So I want to ask you today, have you stepped out of Saturday into the Sunday a loving God wants for you? I thought I'd lose everything good. What I lost was the stuff I needed to lose. What I gained was the stuff I needed to gain. And I think I speak for every believer in the room when I say I would not trade one day in God's kingdom for my 20 years outside of it. Because everything there disappointed me. Jesus has never disappointed me. And he'll never disappoint you either. There is more to life. So we want to give you opportunity if God's working in your heart to respond. And if God's working in your heart, we don't need to get cute and jack around your emotions and keep you here for 20 minutes and all that nonsense. Now, if, if God's prepared you and you're ready, then, then you just need the opportunity to, to launch. And if God hasn't got you to that point, well, then he's still working. Remember, he doesn't take Saturdays off. But he hasn't quite gotten you where you need to be yet, and that's all right. But I want each of you to just erect a place of quiet contemplation and prayer in your heart. If you're already a follower of Jesus, will you pray intensely that those that don't know the liberating love of God will open their heart to it today in these next few seconds. Pray for them as if it was your son, your daughter, your husband, your wife, your best friend. And it may be your son, your daughter, your husband, your wife, or your best friend, but you pray for them. And if you came today and all this talk about following Jesus is a bit foreign to you, you know you're not living there. But if God has drawn you to himself, as only he can, and you're ready to respond, yeah, you've got a truckload of questions, but you sense you're not going to know the answers until you launch, and you're right. Then I would invite you in the quietness of your heart to do several things in your own words. God knows your every thought. Confess you've been living life essentially without him that you have sinned like all of us. Tell him you want that to change. Claim him as your Lord and Savior. 
After all, Jesus gave us ample evidence in the resurrection that he is who he said he is. Declare your belief in his resurrection. It's an established fact of history, witnessed by hundreds, over 500 at one time. It turned the cowardly into the courageous. It's a historical fact. Declare your belief in it. Ask him to give you that new birth, apart from which nobody enters the kingdom of God. Commit yourself to follow him and confess him before others. And then thank him for saving you today. Because that's his promise. While heads are bowed and eyes are closed, just to respect what God is doing. If you pray today, I'm not going to ask you to come forward. I'm not going to ask you to stand up. Nothing of that nature. But I would like to know, just so that I can pray for you. And so if you did pray, asking Christ in today, would you mind just raising your hand for a second? I'll say yes, acknowledge, thank you, God bless you, God bless you, thank you, God bless you, God bless you, thank you, God bless you, God bless you, thank you, thank you. Gracious Heavenly Father, I thank you for those who today stepped out of Saturday and into Sunday. I pray that they'll know there's a party going on in heaven right now. Your word says that when even one person steps over the threshold, the angels celebrate and rejoice. They're dancing in celebration. We rejoice with these men and women. We rejoice for them. I pray that your spirit would seal to their hearts the decision that they've made, that they would find a place where your word is taught and where mature believers can help them in their growth. And Father, we thank you that we don't have to spend life mired in Saturday with all of its uncertainty and heartache, that you're working to bring the next Sunday and the next Sunday and the next Sunday until that big Sunday when Jesus returns and takes his people home. Takes them to that place where there'll be no more Fridays, no more Saturdays, just Sunday forever. And we thank you in Jesus' name. Amen.